There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello. You're listening to BFN. This is the podcast about infertility, IVF and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Emma. And I'm Gabby and we're both card-carrying members of the Infertility Club. Good morning slash afternoon slash evening. Hello folks, how are you all? Um, how are you, Gabriella? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. I um, I'm kind of yeah. I'm officially out of my birthday week now, but I really did. Uh, I squeezed the pips on that one. Oh mate. Um, yeah, I had a nice time. And, there was a lovely um, picture of you on Instagram with some beautiful bows in your hair. Yes, that was um, that was some makeshift wrapping paper that my friend Sarah did that I Absolutely ended up in my gorgeous. hair as bows. It was very good. Well done, um, Sarah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it was just really nice. But um, something quite funny, Mr. Gabby went out on a bit of a limb for my birthday present, I'm going to say. And um, so I've been starting a little bit of work again. And so Mm -hmm. the present essentially is him creating me a website for myself as a freelancer. And as part of that, he's doing, he's organised a photo shoot so I can have some nice photos of myself taken for the website. Wow, who's taking the photos? A photographer? Um, Yes, a photographer. Wow, Mr. Gabby, but, um, that's so nice. I know, it's really cool, isn't it? And yeah. um, the, a part of the present was to get me an outfit that I can wear in this photo and look super professional. And he basically, he bought me a two-piece suit, um, a two-piece check suit. Yeah. And um, I can't, so, I mean, I looked like Hillary Clinton. See, I um, really liked it because you sent me a picture of it and I, I described it as... Um, Cher from Clueless meets the politician. <laughs> I think. Okay, so I looked at the I looked at the model, and it, I I could see where he was going. If I had looked like her in the suit, it would have been amazing. It would have been like a touch. But unfortunately, I just don't think I could pull it off. <laughs> it was a it was a big check. It was a large print. It's a large that probably print. Would. I think it would drown out a smaller person, but I didn't think it drowned you at all. Oh, mate, that's very kind. Um, but it was it was also, it was quite expensive. So I was like, do you know what? Um, mm. I think we should send this back. I'm going to find something else. I'm going to stick to the brief. I'm going to spend that, that money on something mm-hmm. that I can wear in this photo shoot looking super cool and professional. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it, the, the suit went back. But I've spent the week oh. now just like plowing through websites trying to find um, a super professional cool look that I like. <laughs> Oh my god, that's so hard. Without going on like, I mean, m- much as we like these brands like LK Bennett and Reese. Mm. Well, because, well, well, 
Mr. Gabby spent a little bit of money in a place that I wouldn't have usually bought clothes from. Yeah. So I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to buy it from somewhere that's a bit more expensive than I would usually go. You know, I'm not going to go to yeah. cars or under the stories, which is my staples. Yeah. yeah um, so I'm kind of in this new world of like a slightly more expensive price point, And I'm just yeah. like, ooh. Have you been um, on the outnet? I have not been on the outnet. Oh my God, it's my fave. I love going on there and looking at stuff. Because it's basically like um, a net a porte but cheaper. Mm. and I always go on there and I'm always like oh it's so much cheaper than net porte I'll definitely be able to afford something and then I can afford like a pair of wellies <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's like there. yeah it's mm. like really really designer stuff but like 50 or 60 percent off because okay. it's like end of the line or whatever it's like it, it's basically posh tk max but oh. um <laughs> but I still can't afford anything on there <laughs> it's really funny. I do love the tk max um, okay well uh, that's my Saturday sorted um anyway enough about me how are you mate I'm all right I started my job this week which is very exciting oh, oh my god yeah it's quite like um it's quite like a chill transition to working life because I'm working from home I'm working three days a week um mm. and like my new colleagues seem really nice it's very odd starting in at home because you don't get yeah. the bounce you do not mm. get the bounce which you know no. which is fine because it just means I'm kind of focusing more probably but um yeah it's just it's very strange basically do you think we'll ever go back to working in an office well this week Boris Johnson has said that we has he said it I don't even know I might have missed it that we should start going back to offices or maybe he didn't say yeah it. there's definitely chat of it there's sure. chat of it yeah um mm. but uh, like in many ways I wouldn't mind it I thought I'd love working from home but actually, it's quite, like, it's just odd. It's it's isolating. Mm, it's more isolating yeah. than I expected it to be. Well, it's hard when, especially when you're starting a new role. And, like, mm. usually you'd be in the office kind of getting to know people, asking questions willy-nilly. You yeah. know, oh, is that how that works? Oh, I'll kind of, you know. Like, whereas when you're at home, you don't have that. You're kind of just you know with you and your machine just like Ooh, yeah yeah staring what at do screen. I do? doing a lot of zoom yeah. calls <laughs> uh i'm kind help, of used right? to that because the job that i used to work in was very um it was like all over the there were offices all over the world and we spent a lot of time mm. on um, video calls so it's not completely and of course we've unusual. been doing lots of um we've been doing lots of zoom interviews for bfn so and we've really, been doing yeah, yeah it's helped of, you out it's helped it's prepared me but um, I mean, obviously, I'm talking, talking about this, and most people have been working all this time. And they're like, "Yeah, oh, so there's loads of Zoom calls," and obviously, we're all going through this. But it's just weird starting a new role. I think. Yes. No, um, I think fair enough. But mate. very exciting. Fair very exciting. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Thanks. Uh, should we talk about the show? Let's. Okay. So this week we are talking to Regina Townsend. Um, she's oh. she's an, another American. We've gone so international next week because it's an Australian. Um, she is the founder of an advocacy group called Broken Brown Egg. Yes. I literally, I think we talked to her. I've had to cut quite a lot of the interview out because I think we talked to her for something like 50 minutes and I it could have kept talking chat. to her. Yeah. It yeah, was yeah, yeah. like, I literally, I just love, like we just had a lovely chat, didn't we? Yeah, she's really, really lovely and very easy to talk to. Yeah, and um, she's been through the hardest time. She has, Just, like, yeah, years of yeah. trying for a baby. And then, like, I don't want to give it away, but there was, like, a fostering situation. Mm-hmm. That just, like, that I love... She just kind of casually dropped into the conversation and we were both like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, we don't really talk about that. We haven't really come across it on the podcast until no. I suppose, you know, we did one episode on adoption. So it's yeah. interesting to hear that and um yeah not to give it away um yeah I won't talk anymore actually just listen to the interview guys <laughs> yeah um just a quick note on it's another classic lockdown interview um very atmospheric there's a lot of background noise you'll hear some planes but you'll also hear some birds um and I like the birds yeah yeah I like the birds yeah. um so just you know just it just feels like we're there with her to be honest yeah which is um, good yeah um uh, and Liz and Nick are off to the clinic for a pretty big moment. Yes, they are. And they've also got a bird joining them. Have they got a bird as well? Yeah, it's quite bird themed this week. Where the fuck's our bird? Yeah, I've got no birds here. I've got... We've had a siren go past in the last five minutes. I've got lots of builders. I think everyone on my street is now doing, like, clambering to do building work. Yeah. So there's just, like, <laughs> scaffolding guys down over there. There's a forklift truck down over oh there. Oh, my God. John's done <laughs> up our kitchen. Oh, lovely. It's looking really nice. It's a lovely dusky oh. blue. I'll put a picture on, on my stories. Um, Do, please. Yeah, and then Professor Tim. Ah, the optimum time of day for sperm. Yeah. Um, Have you heard this rumour? No. That it, the sperm are more active in the morning, I think. I have that not was heard what, that rumour. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that just leaves us to say, enjoy the show. Yeah, please do enjoy the show. Um, you can rate and review it if you like it. If you don't like it, you don't can. bother. You can. You could subscribe if you like it. You Again, if you don't, don't you bother. Like yeah. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Big Fat Negative. You can follow us on Twitter at Big Fat Negative. You can follow us on Facebook at Big Fat Negative, and you can email us. Big fat negative podcast at gmail.com. We've had some lovely emails this week. We have indeed had some lovely emails this week. Keep them coming, guys. Yeah, absolutely. And please enjoy the show. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. Can I just first apologise for any birdsong or barking in this segment? Um, because we have the windows open. Because it is hot in this room. So, uh, yes, I should hope that we won't be interrupted by dogs or birds. Spend all day in this room. You do spend all day in this room. This is your own, I was going to say your own private hell, but I don't mm. know, is it? Uh, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what's happened to you this week? Well, it's not so much about what's happened to me this week. Yeah. What's happened to you this week? Well... I actually went to the clinic this week. I went in the vicinity of the clinic this week. You did, you did. But um, before we talk about that, I'd like to back up to um, explain kind of how it came about, really. Sure. So I think last week we spoke about how I was going to start pestering my clinic via email. Yeah. And um, I I did do that. You sure did. I did. Um, I did ring them, but it seemed the email got the best response. Um, and I emailed my consultant directly and sort of asked her what happens, what what is the proposal, what's going to happen next. And um, so the first thing that she said was that I needed to make sure that all of our blood work was up to date. And so... Um, in order to avoid paying more money, 
I actually wrote to the NHS, to our NHS clinic, to WIFI, and um, requested our notes and all of our documentation. So um, that arrived actually pretty quickly. I think they have a, I think it's about 28 days, isn't it, that they have to get the information to you. But I think it was a maybe two and two and a half weeks and uh, they sent all of that stuff through. So I was able to speak to the nurses and send the information, send all the blood work that we had um, through to them via email. And they came back to say that that was accepted, um, which was great. And then I was told that I had to call them um, between days eight and 12 of my period because they wanted to do a mock transfer. And obviously it's been a little while since uh, since we've talked about how our journey has, you know, begun. Last um, year now, wasn't it? Six months? Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. For, in our world. Yeah. yeah. So, basically... It's only that long, it feels like forever. It does feel like forever. <laughs> it does feel like forever. Um, but yeah, just to sort of recap, really... Um, We've had my first ever embryo transfer did not go well. According to plan. It did not go according to plan. So they wanted to do a mock transfer on me um, to make sure that they could actually get access if they needed or when they need to, if they need to. Hopefully they will need to. Um, And so to make sure that I didn't have to go in for more surgery before I started taking any drugs. Taking the drugs. Taking the drugs. Um, which makes perfect sense, I think. Yeah, I think we've always had mock transfers now, haven't we? Yeah. We had it last time. Yeah, with the NHS. Yeah, they also made the decision to... Um... Did you have it the first time with the NHS? Yes. And we had it with... In the first round as well. Well, no, the first round was... Was there... Was there... No. I mean, there was, but there was only a mock transfer after they discovered they couldn't yeah, get access. Yeah, that's right. I knew you had a mock transfer with them. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, so it all makes a lot of sense to do that. So I was told to ring between days 8 and 12 um, of my cycle for them to book in a mock transfer, um, which was going to cost us the princely sum of £250. But I feel like it's worth it to potentially avoid any any issues down the line um and so i went into the clinic um we actually got sent it was quite good actually we got sent all of our kind of consents and things through the post and not even through the post via email electronic signature electronic signatures did you do yours or did you just I don't remember. I think I did a squiggle. Yeah, I did a squiggle. Try to make it as like as <laughs> as lifelike as possible. <laughs> True to life. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we got sent all of our documents through email um, a couple of days beforehand, and we signed them, did a squiggle, made sure that we were happy with everything. I love the electronics. I just press a button after you do it once. Yeah, sign, that's true. sign, yeah. sign. Yeah. I don't know what I'm saying. Sign, sign. <laughs> just sign it all. Um, and then we were good to go. So last week I went into the clinic for the first time in about five months. Is it? 
When did we go? When did we go and have a chat with Doctor T? Well, it was before lockdown, so must be a while. Anyway, anyway. Anywho. Um, since the corona, since coronavirus, this is the first time I've been into a clinic, and uh, I was really nervous about it. Not necessarily going into a clinic because of coronavirus, but just going into a clinic to have a mock transfer that may not go to plan and that may mean that we have to be delayed with everything. Um, I feel like I wasn't hiding it that well, my nerves. You were okay. Was I? Yeah. Oh, that's good of me. Yeah. <laughs> Made strong stuff. I um, Yeah, but I, I was really apprehensive about it, actually. Yeah. Really, really apprehensive about it. Um, I wasn't of much help, as I couldn't come in. No, so Nick wasn't allowed to come in with me. I'd only passed out anyway, so... That's true. You have got a history of that, haven't you? Oh. <laughs> um, but that seems to be fairly standard with partners and stuff at the yeah. moment, I think, doesn't it? I sat in the car. You did. You sat in the car. Um, so... Yeah, I was feeling really apprehensive. I actually worked in the morning because um, I wanted to just keep my mind off it and kind of keep the distraction, to be honest. And um, Yeah, I think we were worried about, uh, well, thinking what bad news can we have? Yeah, I basically go into all appointments yeah. with that default mentality. What can they tell us this time? Yeah, what's going to go wrong? Um so I, yeah, I got in there. Um, they were very quite, very strict about timings. Um, so I had to make sure that I arrived no more than 10 minutes for my appointment. And um, I, they'd had a, they had a little note on the door to sort of explain what you needed to do when you got in there. Um, and when I arrived, or when I was sort of stood outside waiting to go in, um, I hadn't appreciated that they wanted everyone to wear masks. And fortunately, you had been to Asda earlier that day and uh, had bought me a mask. As if I knew. So I was fully prepared. Yep. Um, so I got my mask out, rung, you know, rung the bell, and the lady let me in. The ski mask, but it still did the job. I, I, they didn't stipulate masks. <laughs> There's no guidance on what kind of mask you need. You were in there with a Spider-Man mask on. I'd have loved that, to be fair. Um, he is my favourite, so, you know. Um, yeah, so I had to go in, uh, immediately sort of sanitise my hands, and then was directed to some chairs, which had been pre-cleaned. So they just, so the people had, um, I think there's some people had left before me, um, and so she, you know, made the receptionist had made sure to clean all the chairs and kind of directed me to where I needed to sit. Um, and then she took my temperature, which was textbook, by the way, and uh, directed me upstairs to upstairs to the room. I mean, I feel like I'm going to be one speaking through most of this episode. Well, I've got nothing to add, really. I, was, uh, <laughs> I can only guess. <laughs> I can give a what I assumed happened. Um. Yeah, so they put me into a room, obviously because it's a private clinic, they have uh, private little, um, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, patient rooms, and um, I was asked to come in with a reasonably full bladder. I'd managed to drink a good, um, 
litre of water before I went in. And my bladder was not full enough. Yeah, but didn't you say you went to the toilet before you went out? Half an hour before I went out. It's a rookie mistake there. And then I and then I drank a whole liter of water. Yeah. How would you yeah. have done it? I'd have just drunk and saved it. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> As an experienced mock transferer, <laughs> spectator. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I know these things. Um. So anyway, my bladder wasn't full I could enough. Practically perform the procedure myself. <laughs> Especially the yeah. full bladder part. Yeah. Um, yeah, my bladder wasn't full enough, basically. So, Isn't that how they trace it in? Around the bladder? Yeah, it was full, but it wasn't full enough. Um, and then, so then I had to keep drinking. Um, and then they finally got me in. I mean, I'm surprised I didn't get any correspondence from you. I thought what you... What did you ask? How's it going? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> thought you might want to know how I was doing because I've been there for almost two hours but I think you just oh, thanks for this for me on the spot right now I'm just wondering if you just didn't want to know bad news kind of <laughs> well I don't blame you um so yes I went in for the transfer and um as you can probably tell from our jovial tones <laughs> it went fine um my bladder does need to be quite full for it to be successful, so that's going to be a joy if we get to that point. Um, but yes, she the, the consultant was able to get the catheter in. Um, I think it was actually the smallest catheter that they've got. And she, she double-checked that I'd actually had the surgery, which I did, but it was almost 18 months ago now. It's a bit longer than that, actually. Uh, about 18 months, yeah, around about eight. Um, because she actually said that she thought that the um, scar tissue was starting to reform, um, which I have to say gave me a little bit of a panic. Um, but she didn't seem to think that it would be a problem to, to go ahead with, with, with some, well, potentially go ahead with some sort of transfer if we, if we kind of get to that point. Um, reasonably quickly so yeah so that was good and I was all ready to ask a lot of questions um, but I kind of just got rushed out the door so it was like yeah fine that's great get them to you know organize for them to transfer the eggs down from London and um, get dressed and bugger off basically so, yeah, it was a bit of an odd experience. Like, I didn't feel remotely uncomfortable or, um, you know, concerned about being in the clinic with, you know, obviously everything that's going on because they were really good around cleanliness and making sure that everybody was separated and things. Um, but I definitely didn't feel like I got the answers to my questions um, because I just kind of got I suppose out. they can do all that... Remotely. Yeah, when you're safely... Out of their yeah. faces. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel, um, obviously, in the aftermath of it all, knowing that technically there's no issue for us to kind of go ahead? Uh, I think I felt better. Like, when I, I was in the car, I, I thought... I, I didn't think it was two hours. But I can remember thinking, it's been a while now. Is that... a 
bad sign. Mm. I'm not sure if it would be if if it went wrong, would it take any longer than if it went right? So does it mean anything the amount of time that's you're in there? Yeah. But no, I think um get it done as soon as possible, but at least it was a success. Yeah. I mean how did you feel about the fact that you couldn't come in with me? Yeah, not good. But it's a weird situation now, isn't it? Mm. it? I think if it had been a situation where you just... Like that time where they didn't want me to come in because they were worried I was going to pass out again. Yeah. That was worse. Yeah. But yeah, so no, I want to come in, I want to come in. Mm. But this time, I couldn't understand what's not there. But I think this, when it actually happens, is going to be worse. And the chance because you want I want to be there, but I know I can't be there. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't really know how it's going to, like, and how the, the whole process is going to operate. And it's the first time I haven't been able to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Bet they didn't even notice. Actually. Did someone ask about me? Yes, they did. Oh. Yes, they did. The lady in reception, who is really, really lovely, by the way, um, the blonde lady, I think her name's Sue, she's really nice, she was like, oh, is he waiting outside for you? <laughs> so they did ask after you. Thank you, receptionist. She's really lovely, she's actually. Like... So I was I was like, I meant to say that to you, actually. Obviously, it's just taken us recounting it for the podcast, me to remember. <laughs> Take that back. So there you go. You were Someone remembered me. Someone remembered you. Um, yeah, so next steps then. Um, basically, we've been in touch with the London Egg Bank to organised for um, the eggs to be transferred down to the clinic, um, which gave me a whole new concern because due to the coronavirus, everything is delayed. I'll go and pick them up if they want me to. <laughs> I mean, I was about to suggest it <laughs> when she said, yeah, things are a little bit delayed at the moment and there's a bit of a backlog, so it's going to be slightly longer than two weeks. Didn't tell me how much longer than two weeks it was going to be. Um which really did not calm my anxieties, given that I'm due to start my period in about two and a half weeks. Um, so I've sort of emailed them again and pleaded my case and said, please, 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 can you send them down um, as soon as you can? So she's messaged me actually just before we started recording this to say that some good news and one of their senior embryologists has just gone back to work. So they are working really hard on clearing the backlog. You sound like he's just been on the break. Yeah. <laughs> he's just got back in. Yeah. Um, so I'm really hopeful that that will push things along. Um, I also kind of gave the poor woman a bit of context around why I wanted things to get moving because I really don't want to have to be waiting for too long and then potentially have to go in for more surgery if this scar tissue does completely reform. How does it work with me? Do I hand my cup to them at the door? I don't know, love. Post it through the letterbox? Yeah, I don't know. This is the thing. Hello? (laughs) Excuse me, tap the window. (laughs) Little hatch. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't really know. So I've also emailed our consultant just to find out, just explain to her what the situation is with the London Egg Bank. Because I don't know if she's going to say, well, unless the eggs are here before cycle day one, we ain't doing it. Which is not ideal. Um, or if she says, um, 
it's fine. We know that they're going to get here before they need to be fertilised and transferred. Let's carry on. Um, I don't know what the rules are. So I've asked her those questions and I've also asked her, what do I need to do? So do I need to call them on cycle day one? How's it? How's this going to work? Um, I mean, I'm kind of assuming it's going to be just like a frozen embryo transfer, to be honest with you, because that's kind of what it is. But in terms of like preparing my body and stuff, but I don't want to assume because if I assume I know what's going on, stuff's just going to hit yeah. me from the side, like a kipper in the face. So uh, thanks. Just came to me. Um, so, yeah, so it's been it's been a, an exciting week in terms of getting things done. Um, and actually, it's quite nice to feel like we are actively moving towards something again. Um, but I'm also trying my best not to get ahead of myself, I think. Um, I'm very cautious to wind myself back in when I start thinking about, oh, but at this date, this could happen. At this date, this could happen. Because I'm so mindful of where we've been before. And we're definitely not going into this as novices. Indeed. At least it's not the number three anymore. It's the third one was never going to work for us. Fourth is... The four, fourth, is fourth, the is the key. fourth is the key. So, yeah. Hopefully, next time, we can provide you with some more definite updates on whether or not we're going to be able to proceed. And, uh... Yeah, I'll probably be even more nervous and there'll probably be more swearing, but at least we'll be moving it forward. Which would be good. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Regina, it is such a pleasure to have you on here. Um, this is, is this our third interview, transatlantic interview that we've done recently? Our second? 
Only second, I think. Only second. So, oh, no, it's our third. You're right. Yeah, it's our third. Yeah. It's so wow. exciting, anyway. <laughs> We're, so global. <laughs> We're so global. We're so Right. <laughs> it's really cool. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, it's... Uh, it's just a joy it's just a joy um so you may or may not know but we always start the podcast by asking our guests about their journey um well my husband and I got married uh 15 years ago and uh decided that the responsible thing to do was to like wait a minute because we had just graduated from college we were just looking at you know, let's let's be responsible and smart and get the good job and figure out what to do next. And when we finally decided that we were going to have kids, um, we tried for a short while and then nothing was happening. And I'd, I'd had ridiculously long periods um, all along that had been told to me were hypothyroid um, and that I should just lose weight and work on your thyroid condition. Um, and meanwhile, I had been a part of a, a website called Chocolate Brides, which was about black women getting married because there weren't a lot of black women on bridal magazines and things like yeah. that. And this was pre this was pre Facebook. Uh-huh. So um, it was a way to kind of connect. And the women on there that built such a great community that after they would get married, they would stick around and talk about buying a house or having babies. And there were a couple who had talked about how they were having trouble. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, that's really sad for them. That would never happen to me. Yeah, you just don't think. And I and I also was like, I don't know any black women who've had any trouble getting pregnant. And when I've only when I've ever heard about in vitro and things like that, it's really, really expensive. And I only see white women on the ads and okay. That didn't think that applied to us. It's not for me. So yeah, so when we started having issues, I was like, oh, let me ask about this. And then I re- it was like, once the information overload started of just realizing that, hey, maybe your period lasting two weeks and three weeks at a time is not normal. Oh, mate. And may not have anything to do with your thyroid or your weight. Like, then I started to really get angry. Because mm. I was like, okay, so this is a lack of communication on the medical side and on the community side. Because nobody else outside of this small website group that I've been a part of, I'd have, I'd never heard any black women talk about this. And so I just started blogging about it. And then I went on Facebook one day and I was just like, you know that aunt who never had kids but always was babysitting for everyone? Maybe she couldn't. Um, and I just started like saying those things <clears throat> and people started messaging me and being like, thank you so much for saying that. And I wish I had somebody to talk to. And I never knew that uh, there were other women dealing with this. And I was like, oh, this is what needs to happen. I'm just going to keep doing mm, it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I just started talking about it and I started, um, I started the Broken Brown Egg in 2009 um, and it's been going ever since. And it's really just me trying to make sure that nobody else feels alone and that nobody else feels like they don't have a voice or that nobody else has to be as angry <laughs> as I was of just being like, why did anybody say this was a thing? Like, yeah. nobody thought this was important for me to know yeah. when I'm 
being told all the time how to not get pregnant, nobody thought to say, well, also, <laughs> some people are going to have trouble getting pregnant. Yeah. Um, and so it took us a long time, and, and, and we've tried. There was, there was um, the thyroid. Then I found out that I had PCOS. Uh-huh. I had a situation with a doctor where I told her I thought maybe I had PCOS, and she was like, ah, <laughs> Everybody's looking at Google these days and thinks they're a doctor and it's not PCOS. Oh my God. You don't have cysts. And I was, I just remember feeling like, you know, two things. One, I'm an actual librarian. So if I'm saying something that I researched, maybe I, I know what I'm you talking about. Yeah, yeah, quite well. And, yeah. And two, I just remember feeling so dismissed, like, okay, I'm coming to you with what I think might be an issue and I'm trying to work with you about how do we solve this problem? Mm. Um, Because aside from the getting pregnant part, I would like to not bleed so much that I need to write to the owners of Always and tell them thank you for their product. Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) And she just, she she dismissed me so quickly that, and I didn't know how to respond. Um, And it just turned out that I I called back a couple weeks later for a follow-up and she wasn't available. Mm -hmm. And there was another doctor there available. And I was like, I'll go with her. <laughs> and I I kind of tested her when I first got there. And I just asked her, you know, I've been reading about PCOS. And I'm wondering if these symptoms could be looking like thyroid, but maybe be this. And she was like, oh, absolutely. Let's look into it if that's what you think. And I was like, thank God. Oh, I'm supposed to be a partner with my doctor. This is how it should be. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I've been with her ever since. And we, we looked at PCOS and then we, um, I told her I was afraid of IVF. Okay. And I didn't really want to go that, that route. And I told her, I want to see what else we can do. I want to learn as much as I can. Mm. And we tried all of these things. um, And then we found out that my tubes were completely blocked. And she was like, you know, Regina, you've done everything that you could do. I think you're going to have to do IVF. And I'm, I'm going to transfer you over to the fertility center. And I think that that's going to be a really great option for you because you can get around the block tubes. But I want you to know you did everything you could. You did what you wanted to do. Um, and we went to a fertility center. And then we found out that not only did we have block tubes, but my husband had male factor issues as oh well. Um, and it was just over, it was so overwhelming because at that point we'd been in it for so many mm-hmm. years that it was just like, and how many years had it been by okay. this point? Uh, I want to say maybe six or seven. And, um, we were just kind of like, I just, I remember sitting there and, and while the doctor was not, you know, intending to be negative in any way, she was just listing out, here's where your AMH levels are. So this could lead to overstimulation. Here's what we're seeing from the male factor issues. Here's what we're looking at cost wise. And I remember just seeing my husband kind of deflate Mm. while we were sitting there. Cause it was just like, I think for the first time he realized that it may have something to do with him also. And then I think for the first time he kind of got a, a real bird's eye view of what I'd been dealing with in terms of going to these doctors researching these things mm-hmm. um because i had kind of taken it on like mm-hmm. i'm gonna look into this, this is my project and he yeah and he hadn't been that in it like that yeah. he'd been like okay tell me where to stand but when he started to hear it like straight from the doctor's mouth i think it just kind of 
deflated him. (laughs) Um, And we were like, okay, well, this is what we have to do, but let's take a minute because we had a family member who was saying that she was, she was pregnant and she didn't think that she was going to be able to parent. And so she had, she had asked us if we would be willing to adopt. Oh, that's interesting. And, um, and we were like, maybe that's why this has you, you know because you try to find a reason yeah yeah of course why that's what you always do yeah, why have things been going so crazy yeah. oh maybe it's this yeah um and so we agreed to do that and she changed her mind as we were on the way to the hospital to pick up the baby oh my god oh god so um but then there was there was an issue where she still couldn't take the baby home and so uh she and Children and Family Services asked if we would step in as foster parents. And so we then fostered that baby for six months. And then you had to and, give the baby back. And then we had to give the baby yeah, back. Yeah, I saw you, was, you described it as parenting purgatory. Yeah, which is it, such that's a, exactly what it is. Oh. It's like you're almost a mom. You're like, you have mom-like tendencies where you're like, you're the one going to the doctor's appointments and you're the one buying the clothes and you're the one that this infant is looking at as their connection to the world. And you're taking on all of that stress and, and energy of being the parent. Mm. And then someone ca- can call you the next day and be like, I would like to set up a visitation because, and you know, and their, their entitlement is valid, but also they not, they're not thinking about how heartbreaking it is yeah, of for you um, because this is your experience. And they're just kind of like, bulldozing wow oh my god um but you kind of at the time i just there was a few things happening i think i wanted to one kind of prove to her that like we're in a good position over here and we're taking care of her we're making sure she's okay Mm. we're being as open and, and honest with you about everything maybe you'll change your mind and see that she's in a good spot let me leave her alone um and then you're also thinking you know I don't want to do this, but this kid needs me. Yeah. And so I'm just going to stick it out because at the end of the day, nothing you do for children is wasted. This time that they are with you is much better than them having been in just traditional foster care. Um, And so let's just stick it out. But it's, it's so emotionally draining. And then also that affects your relationship because it's, um, it's whoever's family member so now it's like your family is putting us through this or that feeling personally mm. of my family is hurting my partner this way. And it, it oh there's my God. all of this going on. And, um, and so for six months we set through that. <laughs> and are you still in and that baby's life? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, we see her. She was over a couple weeks ago. Um, interacting with with our son that, that we have now and they they're best buddies and everything and so how, that, that came to an end after six months yeah and um and then I kind of I kind of went into overdrive at that point where I felt like I feel like I have to figure out what to do next mm. because otherwise this situation is running me I'm not running it mm. and I'm gonna kind of fall apart um and so the next thing I did, I had been having, as a, I'm a librarian, so I've been using my platform as a librarian to have these panel sessions at the library about how to build your family. Um, and 
it just so happened that having the broken brown egg, I was able to ask the community for a recommendation of an uh, endocrinologist to speak on that panel. And the person who recommended her was someone who also works in this in the advocacy arena. Yeah. And the endocrinologist who came, she asked, she was like, so what's going on with you? Last year, I know you were at this fertility center and blah, blah, blah. And, and I told her, well, <laughs> nothing. Oh, God. <laughs> Aside from all of this that's going on, my job recently changed insurance carriers. And so I don't even have insurance to go back to my clinic at this point. And she was just like, come see me. She was like, come see me because I... You shouldn't still be in this purgatory yeah. of like what to do next. She was like, you're doing all of this to help others and get all this word out. And it just seems unfair that you just can't seem to get there. She was like, so just come see me and I'll take your insurance. Oh, we'll figure wow. that out. And That's I was like, kind. okay. And I, and I went back to my desk and I remember feeling like that just happened. Yeah. Um okay. And I, I told my husband and I was like, I think we should go. She has a really positive outlook. And I think it would be a really good thing for us to keep moving forward because otherwise I don't know what we're going to do next. Mm. If the, the, the fertility center that we were going to see, we'd have to pay out of pocket yeah. right now because our insurance doesn't cover that, that specific mm. center, or we'd have to start over in another place that we don't have any idea what their their success rates. We don't know anything. I said, but I have a good feeling about her. And um, we went to see her and she went over that same list that we had had at the other center. But her demeanor was just like, oh, this is nothing. We can get, we can take care of that. Oh, we'll handle wow. that. This is great. Oh, and I saw that same way that I saw my husband deflate. I saw him kind of be like, oh, <laughs> All right. Um, and she was just like, we're going to do this test today. We're going to send in for this today. Oh, my God. Come back next week. We're doing this. And everything just kind of moved instantly. Wow. And I remember feeling like, you know, all of this that felt like such theft of my time yeah. had actually been what was going to prepare me or even introduce me. I would have never met this doctor yeah. had I not gone through all of these other things. God, the word today um, really is music to an infertile person's ears, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And it was like, wait, you're doing that test like right now? She was like, yeah, just let's go across oh, the hall. Let's, dear God, Gina, that's like, awesome. Wait, today? Like, I don't have to come back in two weeks and then do something for three weeks and then I'm in the next month. Because with infertility, you're in a time game. You feel like mm. you're in a time game all yeah. the time. All the time. You feel like if I'm not pregnant by March, then this whole year is shot because now I'm in next year. And then if I don't have this by October, then I'm not prepared. And yeah. You start to feel like everything in your life is running on this clock mm, yeah and it's not even your biological clock anymore it's your let's throw something at the wall and see what sticks <laughs> clock <laughs> it's like what are we gonna try this yeah. time yeah, i don't know yeah, yeah, let's yeah, lose yeah. weight okay great all right let's try estrogen uh, pills okay cool oh, man. um it's just you you get so tired of that that start and stop 
and hurry up and yeah. wait. It's yeah. the hope and the disappointment. The hope, yes. disappointment. Yes, immediate yeah. disappointment. Yeah. And um, and she she started everything. We were able to. She did see a, a couple of more cysts because my body is just strange, and um, <laughs> it likes to prepare for Y two K. And um, she even that she was positive. She was just like, we're gonna do another DNC. She was like, don't be discouraged. This is because we want to make sure that the embryos have a safe place to live. Like, even that conversation felt less devastating than all the other ones that mm, I've had. Uh-huh. It was just like, this is so that we can get to the next step. This is not another stop. It's not. We're, we're still moving. And I remember feeling like, I can, I will follow you because you, because <laughs> I was just like, at that point, you're just kind of tired. And so it was good to have someone who had a jolt of yeah, energy and yeah. ready to go. Um, and so we did a DNC. She was like, let's get started. And then all of a sudden we were in IVF. <laughs> and I was like, I have this thing that I had been terrified of. I think at that point, I've been afraid of needles my yeah. whole life. And at that point, I was just like, okay. Let's, I was going to say. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> IVF will clear you of your fear of needles. Oh, definitely. It really does. It'll be like, oh, fear of that? Whatever. It's just not as bad as you think it's going to be. Like the whole, you know. Yeah. It's not. And you find that there's so many YouTube videos of people who are so willing to show you, here's how I do this injection. (laughs) I love the way you're pointing pointing at the back there. Yeah. 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 And I, I remember I had to teach my mom my I had to teach my mom how to do it once because we were going to be going on vacation and my husband wasn't going with us and I was like freaking her out because she was like but because I was like there may be blood mm. if that happens and she was like I saw her eyes freaking out <laughs> oh my god but people who aren't in yeah. it this isn't normal they're like wait you're so you're not a diabetic but you're giving yourself this, yeah. this amount of shots. Yeah. Even when, because I had to, when Gabby was doing her IVF, I did one of the injections and it was like maybe a year since I'd done it to myself and I was like freaking out. There was audio (laughs) available on the internet of me going, like that. (laughs) Because you're losing your mind. You're like, wait a minute. I'm not a doctor or a nurse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what are you asking of me? Um, And yeah. (laughs) So we, we transferred one embryo and that was successful and I remember when I went for the follow-up appointment for the beta testing the nurse who had kind of become like my favorite nurse she was like so look I don't call with bad news until late in the day because I don't like to make those calls oh my god she was like so I'm gonna call you I'll call you today but it, if it's later in the day, sometimes it's because it's difficult news. Mm. So she was like, I just want you to be prepared mm. because if you're not going home, because I told her I'm not going home, I'm going to work. Because if I go home, my brain is going to yeah. explode. Yeah. I'm just going to be waiting yeah, for the yeah, call yeah. all day. Yeah. Um, which in hindsight, still not a smart choice because I'm a children's and youth librarian. So going to the library with small children and teenagers was probably not... Yeah. Oh, I'll be able to forget about it. Totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I'll just watch all these normal, quote unquote, moms come in for story oh, time and story oh hours. Those bitches. And that'll, that'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
It's like, oh, that's great. Good idea, Regina. Smart. And I remember thinking, okay, well, let me just try not to think about it. I'll just go about my day. And then by like noon, she hadn't called. And I was like, well, there it is. That's the bad news. That's it. Because you're used to it. That roller coaster has been going. So you're like, here comes the bad news. She would have called me earlier, I guess. How do I tell my mom? How do I tell Jabari? How do I like? I just started thinking. How do yeah. I tell all these people? Mm-hmm. I'm really sorry for getting you excited. Oh, and that's that's another thing that we do that I think is really why mental health has to be more of the conversation yeah. with fertility. Is that we immediately go into caretaker mode for everybody yeah. else? I immediately started thinking. How do I tell my husband? I'm so sorry that I made you go through this, mm. and I'm so sorry. That you got your hopes up. And I, I hope you're okay thinking, about this. I hope you're okay. I hope that you are able to forgive me. I hope that this doesn't make you lose mm. hope. And you start to go into this caretaker yeah. and you never look at the mirror and say, are you okay? Mm. I'm really sorry that you got your mm. hopes up. I'm really sorry that you might be hurting. And I hope that you don't lose hope. We never do that with ourselves. Mm. We, we start thinking instantly about here's the other way that I failed. Um, and I was in that mode. And then she called and she was like speaking so slowly that I was like, she is really, really dragging this out. She doesn't want to hurt my feelings. Hurry up. <laughs> yeah. I was like, just, just rip the bandaid off so that we can find out what to do next. Or I can come in for the follow up and we can look at what, what I did wrong that made this all blow up. <laughs> Um, and she was like, so you're pregnant. And she started listing the numbers and what they should have been. And she was like, and yours are up here. And I was like, I was sitting at work and I shared it. I was assistant manager at the time. So I shared the the office space with my manager. And so I didn't want to be unprofessional. (laughs) And I think I was also in a little bit of shock because I'm so used to Mm, bad news. And I'm also so used to high numbers being a bad thing for me. My AMH numbers were way mm. too high. My thyroid numbers mm-hmm. are way too So when she's telling me that these numbers are high, I'm waiting for her to also tell me. And so because of that, we'll need you to do X, Y, Z. Or, And so when I'm sitting there, I, I think I had this like full on like fake voice of like, oh, great. Thank you so much for that information. Yeah. Like, I didn't know how to be excited yeah. or anything. And I I remember I called my husband after that and he worked at a, a public facing desk too. So he also gave me the, well, thank you for that. If, like we were both just kind of like. Shocked. It's funny, Shocked. isn't it? In those situations, because I feel like that all the movies that we've ever seen in our lives show us that we should react to things like that immediately. But actually, I don't think we do react to things like that immediately. No. Although I did cry no. when I found out. But I think most people are just like, okay then. Mm, interesting. Yes. <laughs> All right. That's good news. Thank you for <laughs> informing is, me. Like, it's marvelous. very corporate. It's very corporate. Because you, you can't process mm. that. And, and also, after, at that point, you know, seven or eight years of trying... Mm. For somebody to be like, oh, okay, and it's done. It's like very anticlimactic. (laughs) You're like, but wait, so I don't, so there's no boss battle after this? That's that's, it. That's it? Yeah. Okay. And now I'm supposed to be happy, excited, pregnant person. 
Yeah. Oh, but sure. actually, that'll be easy. Here's some new anxieties <laughs> that I hadn't even. Yeah, expected. here's the next level of anxiety. I think at one point, I like went livid over. I had gone to Wendy's and gotten a chicken sandwich for lunch, and I remember like this feeling of like it was undercooked, uh, and I was like, after all that I have done, uh, I will blow this establishment. <laughs> I cannot have this kid killed by chicken. I <laughs> yes, I cannot. And it's like you, your brain just goes into this new level yeah. of, of mm. anxiety and and this unwillingness to allow yourself to be happy yeah. because it's like after you've done all this research and been a part of this community, the thing about the infertility community is that it's not just the infertility community, it's also the lost yeah. community. And so you're also now thinking, how do I protect this myself and how do I protect this child? And how do I protect the community? Mm, yeah. Because I don't want... Because then you have survivor's guilt. Because then you're like, I can't talk about it. Because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings who's still mm. in it. I don't want to ruin it. Because I know intimately after seeing so many people or having experienced loss yourself. I know that this doesn't mean baby. This doesn't mean baby. So you're still telling yourself, eh, it's kind of real. Mm. I won't believe it until I see a heartbeat. And then you go you go and you see a heartbeat and hear a heartbeat and you go, eh, still not real yeah. <laughs> until I see a full baby body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be fine when and I hit 12 weeks. Back. I'll be fine when I hit 24 weeks. I'll be fine yeah. when I go into labor. I'll be fine when it's born. I still think that someone's going to come and take my baby away from me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and a feeling of like, I can't show any of the what my my most intense feelings mm. are I can't tell them how terrified I am because then they're going to be like are you not fit to be this person's parent yeah. and I can't tell them how much I'm like checking if they're breathing and, and someone's going to belittle that and say well all new parents do mm. that and it's like I, 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 do it not all new me. parents I've got an alarm on my yeah. phone I, yes <laughs> right <laughs> So, Regina, I was going to say to you, one of the things you've written about is is what happened next after you had your baby, which was that you suffered from postnatal depression. So talk to us about that. Did that become yet another thing that you didn't feel you could talk about, that you didn't hear people talk about? Yes. And it, and, and it was massive. Mm. Massive and almost immediate, where... I was afraid, I've been driving since I was 14 and I was afraid to drive my car. Um, I've been the, as the teen librarian where I am, I work a lot with, you know, handling adult feelings about teenagers. People are afraid of teens. <laughs> mm, I'm definitely so afraid of like, teens. Yeah, so if they're like congregating in front of the building or if they talk back, people get really nervous. And I've been the person who's been like, it's fine we'll handle it and I can talk to them and it's it's okay and I remember being so afraid of interaction and confrontation wow once I got back to work um and then also here in the U.S. everyone was, was preparing for the presidential election which was uh, mm. uh, was this, this 2016 talk about mm -hmm. that one <laughs> good times yeah yeah and then and about to be uh, all over again but at that at that moment there was so much happening around me that I just felt like I can't handle this and when it came to and, and a lot of things have been influenced for me obviously 
because of being an African-American, a lot of conversations aren't had in our community. Mm, mm -hmm. So in terms of IVF, I remember it wasn't until I started talking about it that I found out that I had relatives who had done IVF or who had adopted or all of these different things. And the same thing with mental health. It's not necessarily something that's greatly talked about in the African-American community Mm. for various reasons. Legitimately, there are some fears in the past, there were fears that, you know, if people think I'm unstable and unwell, they'll call Child and Family Services and I'll lose my children. Or if I'm unstable and unwell, I could lose my job. If mm-hmm. I'm unstable and unwell, then there's something wrong. And those things go back, in my opinion, and it could very well be wrong, but those things go back all the way to civil rights movement. They go all the way back to slavery, where it's like having any flaws puts you in danger. Mm. Um, if you're... if In the research that I've done, even going back to to slavery, if if the sole purpose of a black woman at that time was to bear children for the, you know, the the economic wealth Mm. of that time period, if she can't have children, she's broken. And if she's broken, we don't need to keep her around. We can sell her away from her family. We can remove her from... All of those fears of of what brokenness can do to us, I feel, are rooted culturally. And trauma follows generationally. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to mental health, it's it's the same thing, where we just don't discuss it because we don't talk about our internal issues outwardly. Because it can put not just you in danger, but your family, your community. So we are going to discuss those things internally or barbershop beauty salon, church, because those are our sacred safe spaces Mm -hmm. where we don't have a lot of outward influence. And so when it came to struggling with mental health, again, I was like frantically looking for, I just need to hear somebody else say that they're afraid to do something normal, like drive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I, I remember hearing about postpartum, same thing. Um, but not the, int- it was two extremes, either you're just a little sad or it was, you're suicidal. Mm. I had never heard of just the basic, when I get in public, I'm freaking out a little bit about crowds. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm hyper vigilant about making sure everything is locked at night. Mm. I'm checking the stove way too many times. I'm in tears at things that shouldn't, ne- wouldn't normally make me sad. Um, and the more that I started to have those feelings, I was like, I have to talk to somebody. I, I can't, I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I remember when I finally found a therapist, um, the minute that I got in the room, I, she hadn't even really said anything to me yet. And I just was in tears and mm. I was like, I'm a, I'm a basket case. And she was like, well, no, you're not. No, definitely not. <laughs> um, just had a baby. I was, I was, yeah. And I was telling her and I was like, but. But I, I had the baby a few months ago. Like, I shouldn't still be upset. And she was like, well, postpartum can last up to three years. Again, something I'd never known. And then you're also thinking, especially if you've dealt with infertility, you're also thinking, how am I going to be the perfect mom? Because I made this, I, I pushed this so hard, I can't fail at it. So we need to make sure that we're in the, the mommy and me yoga. And we need to make sure that we're in the dance class. And I need to make sure that you're eating 
homemade baby food and mm. I need to make sure that I'm cloth diapering so that I save the environment so that there's a world for you like there's a, all of this heaviness that it's not to say that other parents don't experience but I feel no. like when you've dealt with infertility you you kind of have those things on you already yeah and so it's just this heavier feeling do you feel and like there's there's this sense of this might be my only chance to get it right this is my like, only if I screw this kid this. up that's it yeah, that's all the that's kids it. I'm gonna have that's it and I don't even know how I'm gonna afford because that's the other thing with infertility which I just mentioned I think on my on my Instagram the other day was just like the other part that was never in the conversation until I got all the way up to starting IVF was if you have more than one embryo now you're gonna have to pay to store them oh yeah and if you don't pay then you're gonna have to make decisions yeah about those embryos so now even at year one of this first success quote unquote you now have to make decisions about how many more children you want it's like you don't get the opportunity to make calm decisions (laughs) If, if you start to feel like everybody else which i know is a generalization and it's not accurate but that is how you feel feel everybody else gets to just casually discuss over brunch you know what you think we should have a baby next year um like when you kind of wrote about it and kind of came out about it so to speak what was the reaction like did you have tons of women be like i'm the same same thing same thing as when i first started talking about infertility Mm. was just like Thank you so much for talking about, um, especially from the infertility community, because the feeling of loss there is that you've had this community. The infertility community is one of the most loving and kind and encouraging communities because we all know intimately the sadnesses that we feel Mm -hmm. and we just don't want anyone to feel alone because we know how isolated and Mm -hmm. alone we are. And so we, we try so hard to be kind to one another in this community. And then all of a sudden, depending on whether or not you resolve to become child, childless, or if you move forward with, with growing your family, you lose, you feel like you've lost that because I can't talk to that community anymore the same way because they're still trying and I'm not. And I I don't know how to talk to them. And so now you're alone again. And so when I started to talk about the mental health thing, I started to get another slew of of messaging that was just like, thank you. And then even outside of the infertility community, I just started to post just in general. I still do it. I think I did one last week on on my regular Facebook page that was like, got therapy today. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Got Normalize it. Today. Yeah, I got therapy today and going to Bible class tonight. Like just being very honest and transparent about when I'm having a hard time mm-hmm. has given a lot of other people the permission that they didn't need but felt like they needed to say, you know what? Yeah, I am having a hard time as well. Can you tell me how you found your therapist? Um, and I think that <laughs> I have that's a big deal of just like, we have to normalize all of these. These are all health issues. Yeah, Mental health are. is health. Infertility is health. Like you it didn't is. cause it. 
just because you can't see it yeah exactly and and the more that we normalize and make those things transparent it also helps when you're one of the biggest things that i noticed when i first started the journey from myself and other people was the feeling of when you go to work there are some days where you're completely devastated and gutted and you've got to go to work and act like everything's fine yeah yeah. you need that report by five o'clock got you covered like yeah. When internally you're like, I cannot care two shits less about whatever it is that you just asked me because I got horrible news at seven o'clock this morning after I drove an hour to take a test. Like, uh-huh. I don't care. But we're also conditioned to keep those things private and, yeah. and not want to make it look like you're being unprofessional. When you work a job, you're taking you to that job. Yeah. And that includes when you're not at your best. And when you don't feel your best, you can't do your best anyway. So you it's, might as well tell the truth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, absolutely. And, and the work that you've done with that is amazing. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess our, our last question would be um, kind of linked to that, which is what advice would you give to people who are struggling with postnatal depression after they've gone through fertility treatment? I think the biggest thing is to not feel guilty about it. Yeah. As with everything else, with infertility, we learn how to take our health seriously and how to become advocates for ourselves as best we can. Mm. And we have to do the same thing with our mental health because it's health too. Yeah. Um, And it is affected by so many things that are not your fault. There, there are hormonal issues. There are environmental issues. And then also recognizing that life is difficult. Yeah. And it's okay to acknowledge that your life is difficult and that you don't have to have it all figured out. And that it's okay to say, I have zero idea yeah. what I'm doing right now. Um, and if that comes after infertility, it has such a higher it has such a, a heaviness on it. And I feel like we're doing a disservice to ourselves and the families that we're trying to cultivate if we're not able to be upfront about it. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not saying that, that people have to, how you handle it doesn't have to look like anybody else. Yeah. You may yeah. not, you may choose not to be loud and proud and upfront, but as I. <laughs> The blunt way that I've been telling my family is you need to find you somebody's couch to sit on. Yeah. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> yeah. I like it. If, even if you don't necessarily need advice, sometimes you need to vent. Yeah, yeah, you do. You need to outwardly say, this sucks and uh-huh. I'm angry or I'm scared or mm. I'm hurt. And even if you don't need the advice, you need to get it out so that then you can say, okay, and now what? This is what mm. I'm going to do now. Mm. I had to at least acknowledge it, face it, and now I can do something else. But yeah. if I keep trying to compartmentalize the fact that I'm I'm terrified, but let me act like I'm not, yeah. that's not healthy. And eventually you're going <laughs> to go off on everybody around you. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing yeah. is to just find someone to talk to. Yeah. Find someone, and not just your best buddy. Find no, you're absolutely right. Who is actually trained so yeah. that if they spot warning signs mm. or if they think something else might be beneficial to you, they have the training 
to help you with it. Yeah. And there's yeah. no shame in any of these things. It's, it's really just taking off the shame and yeah. being honest about it. Well, I think that is a very lovely note to end on. To it really honest. is. Thank you so much for chatting to Virginia, us. Virginia, it's, it's been so great to talk to you. And yeah. I'm just just loving all these transatlantic calls we're making. At the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Yeah. You guys are fancy at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time for IVF. What the F? What the F? Every time we do that, my brain says old wives tales. Really? It's been a long time since we've done Old Wives Tales. That's so funny. But every time I have to check in with myself and I'm like, no, it's IVF. What the <laughs> well, it kind of, it's funny because um, we don't always talk about IVF. No, of course we don't. But it does but it's work. Just a, you know, it's a catchy, ca- catchy title. It's a catchy title. Thank you to your friend who came up with it. Um, Indeed. Hello, Jenny. Hi, Jenny. <laughs> so we are talking about sperm. Optimum time for spermies. Um. And where did you hear this? I don't know where I heard it, to be honest, but it was when I was trying naturally and somewhere someone said sperm in the morning is more active. Is Mr. Gabby more active in the morning? Definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) 100% not. So that would suggest that maybe his his swimmers are also a bit sedentary in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) So were you like waking him up being like, it's time. And he was like, oh God. Do me, oh mate! We've we found the reason why you couldn't you couldn't conceive naturally. That's obviously why I'm so stupid. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we asked Professor Tim about it, and here's what he had to say. So there's not really well, there's not an optimum time for intercourse from a sperm perspective. Certainly, any any man with a normal sperm result, so normal sperm count, motility and volume, there's plenty of sperm there to actually get through the cervix up into the tubes and to meet an egg around the time of ovulation. In terms of sperm testing or sperm freezing or what have you, again, it doesn't, it doesn't make any difference. So if any studies do show a slight difference in sperm quality through the day, it, it's not really going to make any difference to actual treatment outcomes or chance of natural conception. So I, I think for, in terms of a trying naturally for pregnancy um you're trying for trying a couple of times per week so every one two or three days per week is absolutely um plenty and uh, i wouldn't worry about the timing of that um, necessarily at all that's all guys i hope you enjoyed it i also hope you enjoyed it um if you want to hear from regina you can follow her it's at broken brown egg on instagram yaha and yeah. you can read she's got she's got a lovely blog if you search for Broken Bread Egg on the Googles yeah. or any other search engine. Yeah. Um thank you this week to Regina herself. Thank you, Regina. Thank you to Liz and Nick. Thank you to Professor Tim. Thank you to all of the birds. All the lovely birdies, and thank you yeah. to Acast. Thank you to Acast. And what have we got coming up next week, Emma? Ah, uh, well it's just me next week. Me and my Todd. Yeah. Well, yeah. the interview anyway. Um, talking to... <laughs> it's just me talking about me. For it's just me talking minutes. about me. Um, I've decided to eject Gabby from the podcast. No, yeah, that would never happen. I've been fired, guys. <laughs> um, it's um, me talking to Martha Goddard. She is the writer and director, or co-writer and director, of a really interesting project called All Our Eggs. And it's like mm. um, internet shorts about infertility. It's really great. Like, and yeah. we had such a nice chat. And she's Australian. 
so like another global interview should people um spend some time watching some of those this yeah. week prep for the interview because yeah. they're really good they're really good that so they're on youtube they're on instagram they're on tiktok um just search all our eggs and it'll come up and it's so it's just great and there's a lot of like there's a lot of relatable content Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. although teams. don't watch it if you're at work because the very first scene is of the kind of the protagonist Charlie stretching cervical mucus between her fingers <laughs> do not watch that at work we've all been there NSFW <laughs> amazing right guys enjoy that have a lovely week everyone Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.